Hello, this is Gideon Rothstein, and this is the third chapter of the Book of Lamentations, Perak Gimel of Sefer Eich. As we mentioned in the first Perak, this chapter, uh, as Chazal noted, is a triple acrostic, meaning each of the letters of the alphabet will re- be represented by three psukim in a row, so that there are 66 psukim in this chapter, as opposed to 22 in the other first of the first three chapters of the book. That makes it a much more difficult task for us to cover it today, so we will go much quicker than we ordinarily do. In addition to which, it also explains the custom in some synagogues on the ninth of Av, on Tisha B'Av, to read three psukim at a time together in, uh, in, to have the trup, to have the tune, combine three psukim. And I will do that as well. I'll read three psukim together and then read the English of them and see if they are conceptual units. It's also noteworthy in the idea of the triple acrostic that the Chazal understood it to be the reaction that Hashem had to uh, to the king originally burning the first three chapters of Echor, chapters 1, 2, and 4, that Yirmiyahu had them, and they were taken by the king's men, and they were, they were read to the king, and then they, they would tear them up, and they would uh, deface them and throw them in the fire and burn them, and in response, Hashem says, well, then I'll double the keynote that you had with this triple crossing, meaning it... it encompasses in one parak all of those of the three. That whole idea of our attempt to circumvent or deny or resist what Hashem has planned for us, when Hashem plans punishment for us, is one that I think is uh, a theme or an idea worth keeping in mind. That there's, when Hashem tells us there are things going to go wrong, there are reactions we can have. We can try to do tshuva, we can try to convince Hashem in some way, we can dive into Hashem to either mitigate or remove the the threatened or the the planned punishment, but the idea of thinking we can just get around it, thinking that we can just force Hashem's hand to stop it from coming, or that we can just ignore it and that we can just uh, live through it without any problem. So that is the kind of thing that will lead us into worse problems, and that's what I think that Chazal is saying. So Pasuk Aleph, Ani Hagever Ani B'Shevet Evratov Oti Nehag. I'm going to go through Pasuk Aleph with Gimel actually. Oti Nehag Vayolach Choshech Lo Or Ach Bi Yashuv Yahafoch Yado Kol Ayom. The man who has known affliction. Under the rod of his wrath, much of our today we'll just try to read the English. Under the rod of Hashem's wrath, me he drove on and on in unrelieved darkness, meaning he never got better. On none but me he brings down his hand again and again without ceasing. So that Yemiyo is portraying for us a sense of this misfortune as being worse and different than other misfortunes that came before it. Rashi explains that. <coughs> It's in a couple of ways. First, that Yumiyahu is complaining here or is bemoaning. I think Mitonin here should be bemoaning rather than complaining, but bemoaning the fact that he is in a worse position than all the other Nevi'im, as I've pointed out, I think, on other occasions, because in other Nevi'im's time, they predicted the bad that was going to come, but they never had to see it. They never had to actually see the Beit HaMikdash destroyed, and Yumiyahu did. And that's part of his uh, sadness here, is that he sees the fruition of all of the hundreds of years of prophecies where Hashem tried to get things to change, and the, and the prophets tried to get things to change, and it didn't work. And now Yumiyahu is the one who has to actually be there and bear the consequences, be there and see it all uh, come into play. And then at the very end when it says, Rashi says, All of the returns of Hashem's makot, of Hashem's punishments are coming to me. So there's a sense, and Yumiyahu is speaking not only for himself, I think, but for the people as a whole, there's this sense that it's coming on us, and therefore it's much, much worse. You know, we, and, and in all fairness, I suspect it's true that the generation that, of the Hurban, of the destruction, wasn't necessarily all that much worse, or perhaps not at all worse. 
and maybe even, perhaps even a little bit better than generations that came before them. They were just the culmination of the time of sin, and the, and they were not good enough to either delay or avoid it. And that's a paradoxical aspect of when punishments can come from Hashem, because sometimes you'll say to yourself, well, you know, it's true, I'm Michal Shabbos, and I'm a widow, but I violate Shabbos, and I worship idols, and I do all these things, but so did so-and-so before me who never got any of that punishment. So on a national level, part of the paradox is that when the punishment actually comes, it doesn't necessarily have to be to the worst generation or the worst people who did it. It only has to be that they weren't good enough to turn things away from how Hashem had predicted they would go. That's, a, I think, a very interesting point. Anyway, Pesukim now dialed through. Vav Bilad, the Bet Pesukim. Bilad Visariva Orishi Bar Atzmotai. Bana alai vayakaf rosh utlaab machashakim hoshivani kimete olam. He has worn away my flesh and skin. He has shattered my bones. All around me he has built misery and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So rosh utlaad, just, I mean, Rashi, yeah, I'm only really looking at Rashi in this part, and this part because it's so long. And Rashi only really adds on the idea of Rosh Tla. So Rosh, the JPS English had translated as misery, and they don't know the bottom. They took Rosh as the equivalent of Rosh, which means misery or poverty or things going wrong. But Rashi takes Rosh Tla as being that Nebuchadnezzar in the time of Yehoiachin, when he exiled Yehoiachin, which was a little before the actual destruction of the temple, and then Tla'a would be when Nebuchadnezzar comes along at his behest, as, as his general, and finishes in the times of Tzitkiyahu. And I only note that because it would mean Rashi is throwing in there the idea that while we can be sad and be mourning of the destruction that happens, and all of the Bilab Sarivari, all the things that Hashem has done to us, that he's... Uh, Worn away our flesh and skin, shattered our bones, etc. Nonetheless, at the same time, Rashi is throwing in the fact that there was room for us to have known it was coming, to have seen it was coming, and A, perhaps to have averted it or mitigated it, or even if not that, not to be so surprised and shocked that it happens, and yet nonetheless we are. And this is something that just happens all the time. It's just a, a, an aspect of human nature that even if we know we're on a self-destructive path, and even if we know the reckoning is likely to come, when it comes, we are nonetheless shocked. The exam- an, an example would be if you had somebody who smoked 20, you know, two packs a day, 25 years, God forbid, but it happens, gets lung cancer, shocked. There's a shock there. So that's what part of, I think, what Rashi is suggesting is going on here. Even though Yehoiachin got exiled, Yehoiachin got deposed by Nebuchadnezzar and exiled, when it comes in time to Yehoiachin, it was still a shock that such a thing could happen, even though there had been hundreds of years of prophets warning about it. So that is, it's rare to have somebody have it happen, that somebody knows that they deserve a punishment, the punishment eventually comes, and everyone says, oh, that's right, I deserve that. Pazag Zayin, Gadar Ba'adi V'lo Nechashti, they refer to Hashem closing our world in on us. So it's He has walled me in and I cannot break out. He's weighing down with chains. And when I cry and plead, He shuts up my prayer. He has walled in my ways with hewn blocks. He has made my paths a maze. So Gadar Badi, right, says, right, He built a wall again so that I can't get out. And when I try to get out, there are people there who are ready to ambush me. And, and He sort of chains me. So that's a physical narrowing of our circumstances and then Pazukhet with Satam Tifilati Rashi says Satam Bifaneha. So that's a different kind of a narrowing of a, of a straightening not with a GH but a straightening of a closing in of us that we can't even get our prayers as effectively to Akadosh Baruch Hu, it's as if the uh, gates of heaven have been shut and there are Gemara's that say that other than the gates of tears 
that the gates of heaven might be shut, and that there would be a significant level of difficulty of trying to get our prayers heard by Kaddish Baruch by Hashem. And then in Tivoti Iva, Rashi says, I can't go in the ordinary roads because there are people there who are going to attack me, and therefore I have to take side roads and back roads and harder ways to get there, so it will take me longer to get places. So Rashi doesn't say it this way, but I, sus- I wonder whether part of the implication of that is one that people always bo- are bothered by. People, uh, If you point out to people that we, the loss of prophecy that we have in our days, so some people say, well, that's just because Hashem doesn't need prophecy anymore. But the Rambam at least counts the obligation to listen to a prophet as being a continuing myth of the Torah, implying that the ideal would be that there would always be prophets, or that it would be a, an assumed part of Judaism that there would always be prophets, and then it would be that we don't have prophets today as part of our punishment. And people say, well, if that's true, it's sort of unfair, because then it makes it much harder for us to know what Hashem wants from us, because we don't have prophets. So I think it might be embedded in this psukim that that's part of our being closed off from Hashem, and part of the challenge is that when then we have to take back roads and side roads and harder roads to find our way, and that is in fact part of what Hashem is has determined as being part of what we deserve as our punishment. Okay, the Dalab took him. Dov orevuli ariba mistarim. Dirachai sorer vayifas shecheni samani shomeim dirach kashto vayativeni kamatara lachaitz. He is a lurking bear to me. Now this is not only that Hashem closes us in, now it's going to be Hashem in some sense as an enemy for us uh, bringing the punishment. A lurking bear, a lion in hiding. He has forced me off my way and mangled me. That's in Pasuk. Yud Aleph Derachai so rare. So the JPS is he's not clear what it means, but they're understanding it as he puts me on off the way and he has left me numb. He's bent his bow and made me the target of his arrows. Um, and, and it's because the roads are harder and whatever and and, and, and harder to go. So this would be uh, uh, the the upshot of the ideas would be that even when we try to get places, Hashem is going to stop us from getting there, stop us from moving there, and making any kind of progress will be that much more difficult. So the Chorban, then, is not only the loss of what we had, not only the loss of what we've gone through, but the focus of our Pesukim here, and this would be interesting to think about in the context of that Medrash Chazal, of that, of that understanding of Chazal, that this is in response to the attempt to destroy the earlier keynote. Here, Part of what's being focused on is that it's going to be that much harder for us to get places. We're going to think we're going to do stuff, and we're not going to be able to. So in this case, it's because we're going to have not only the roads will be a problem, but that we're going to have enemies, uh, including among them Hashem, stopping us from getting here. Why that will be, we'll see, I think, later in the parakh. Right. Uh, he has shot into my vitals the shafts of his quiver. He has shot into my vitals the shafts of his quiver, meaning that it, the, the wounds are coming to my very insides. I have become a laughingstock to all people. The butt of their jibes all day long he has filled me with bitterness, saving me with wormwood. On the that last pasuk, it's a pasuk that briskers use a lot on Pesach. And it's in the Haggadah, the brisker Haggadah. They quote it a lot and they used to think about it a lot because there is a Mamar Chazal that says, what does this mean? He's beyond Hirvani Then the Rorim that he fed me on Pesach night, which were a good thing actually, led to Hirvani La'ana of Tisha B'Av night, that being uh, the recognition in Chazal that the first night of Pesach, the day of the week the first night of Pesach always happens on is the same day of the week as the first night of, as the night of Tisha B'Av. And so there's a connection there. And that connection, if you brought it into play here, would be exactly that 
our failure to fully understand Yitzhak in the right way and to fully absorb all of its lessons is what eventually leads to the, the, the destruction that we undergo. And that would be part of what the nations would be mocking us for in these Tukim. And Hashem is emphasizing that lesson. The point of the emphasis we'll see in a few minutes. I don't think it's just to make us suffer. I think there's a positive value to it, but we're going to have to see what that positive value is. So, the Vav Tukim, starting at Pazik Ted Zayin, Vaya Grace Vechatzatz Shinai Chichich Pishani Ba'efer, Vatiznach Mishalom Nafshin Nashiti Tova, he has broken my teeth on gravel, has ground me into dust. So on that one, let me just pause here in the middle of, uh, we're in the middle of the Vapsukim, but Rashi notes, why is it that their teeth were ground into gravel? So the, the reason is that they used to knead their breads in holes in the ground. And the holes in the ground, they would dig in the ground. And the holes in the ground would have stones in them. And then in the dough, they would get stones, and then the little stones, and then when they were eating the bread, they had the stones in them, and they would break their teeth, or they would chip their teeth, but, but it would be a problem. Then Rashi adds in that there is a nevuah in Yechezkel, there's a puzzle in Yechezkel, there's a parak in Yechezkel, and parak Yudbet of Yechezkel, Hashem says, which is a nevuah that happens before the destruction, Hashem says to Yechezkel, make yourself tools of exile to drink and to bake bread within them. And Rashi says, in part of the point of that whole nevuah, there are other parts to it, you can consult the OU website, uh, MP3 is on that parak if you want to review that parak. But Rashi says part of the point was, was to teach the Jews how to properly experience exile. And what would they do instead to Yechezkel, as they would do to Yemiyo? They would laugh at him and they would say it's never going to happen and therefore they didn't pay attention, therefore they didn't learn the lesson and when the time came, they didn't know how to, to bake the bread, to make the dough work, to knead the dough in a framework that wouldn't break their teeth. So it's another example then of them refusing to accept the lessons, refusing to understand the lessons that Hashem is sending to them. And it would be another example of where, while they're busy bewailing and bemoaning, while they're busy complaining, while they're busy sad over the destruction they've borne, they're also losing track of the fact that there were, even beforehand, not only ways to avoid it, not only ways to avert it, but significant ways that Hashem sent us and gave us to mitigate it. Just a remarkable story that I heard about. I believe it's Rav Aaron Cutler, but I don't remember for sure, but it might have been him. I think it was him. But if it's not him, it was somebody else who was a Dayan at a very, very young age with, I believe, Rav Chaim Wozer-Grudzinski. The names of the going, I apologize, I've lost, but I think those might be right. But I think this is before World War II, and he was walking, the younger one and the older one walking together in the forest talking about some issues that had to do with Torah issues, obviously, because they were Gedolim, and that's what Gedolim do. And all of a sudden, the older one broke off and started giving him a lesson, uh, giving the young one a lesson about the plants of the forest, which are edible, which are not edible, which are poisonous, which are healing, all of these various things. And he couldn't figure it out. And, but he listened, he paid attention, because this was a uh, god was too giant. And he said that years later, during World War II, when he fled, I couldn't have been Rav because he was in Russia then. Whoever it was, had to flee and spend a significant amount of time in the forest, and it was that lesson that he learned, that he had remembered, that allowed him to know what to eat and what not to eat. So how, what's the meaning of that story? I don't know, but it's a story that's well-known and well-told, repeatedly told, and I think it's, it fits in here as well. Also, this idea that if the Jews had paid attention to Yechezkel and seen that whatever Yechezkel does is worth learning from, they might have changed the nature of their eventual exile, and they wouldn't have had this... Uh, this breaking of the teeth from their uh, from their gravel. It's all done. It's all over reaching the point of despair. That's what's happening at the end of Pasuk Yedchet, where 
uh, the, the, the Navi is portraying himself and the people as having reached uh, the point of despair. Pasuk the Zion Pesukim, starting at Pasuk Yitzchak, Zechor on Yi Umirudila Anava Rosh, Zechor Tiskor V'Tashoch Alain Nafshi Zot Hashiva Libi Al Kain Ochil. So I'm reaching the point of despair. To recall my distress and my misery was wormwood and poison. Right? It's all just bitter. It's all bad. Everything that I go. Whenever I thought of them, I was bowed low. V'Tashoch Alain Nafshi. I was bowed low. And the next passage is, but this do I call to mind, therefore I have hope. This do I call to mind. So so you get to the lowest point, and then all of a sudden you're going to remember something that's going to bring you out of it. So Rashi says, and and, and then I, it's just terrible, and I'm all uh, downtrodden. And then he quotes a medrash that says, I know you're going to eventually know me, but it's hard for me to wait till then. Tashoach means, as the JPS sort of has it as well, is that I was bowed low, meaning I can't get myself going. So Rashi is suggesting that even those who believed in the future redemption might have this problem. They reach this level of almost complete despair, but then, once I reach this point of despair, I say to myself and I remind myself. So now we're about to find a source of solace and a source of comfort within this framework of all these terrible things going on and the loss of any other kind of hope. So what do we have to hang on to? The kindness of the Lord is not ended, His mercies are not spent, they are renewed every morning. There's a well-known puzzle, so this whole idea that when people wake up, they say, oh, it's a new day, it's a new this, so there's actually good uh, scriptural source, good sources in Tanakh for that, this being one of them. Chadashim Hashem's mercies in some way are renewed every morning. They are not spent. They're in ample is your grace. The Lord is my portion, I say with my full, with full heart. Therefore, will I hope in Him. So this is, in the end, the only source of comfort and the source of hope that, that He has because of that, that, that the Navi is presenting the Jewish people is having. Because all that we have is to hope in Hashem and to hope for Hashem that we can do, that we can get redemption from Hashem, that Hashem will help us out of our various times of trouble. Rashi and Chalki Hashem and Rav says, Hashem bin Hashem is my lot in life. Vidinhu shel It's not just that it works, and therefore we should do it. It's a law that we should do it. It's sort of a rule of our lives that we should do it. That's the structure of our lives. And if we don't wait for Hashem and look to Hashem for sustenance and salvation and hope, we're sort of violating the covenant of who we are. We're violating the nature of who we are. So that's going to be another you know, turning point to start thinking about in the positive way. We've focused on how locked in on ourselves we've become, on how we have no outlets. And sometimes, sadly, the only way people find themselves to is if every single other outlet has been taken away from them. And other than that, they'll assume, well, I'll make money, or I'll cure myself, or I'll go to the doctors. And sadly, there are many people who don't factor Hashem into it until that point. And it seems to be like what Navi, the Navi is representing here as well. A people who, with all the warnings, with all of the uh, readiness that they were offered before exile, refused to pay attention to any of the lessons until it actually came upon them. And only then, when everything had been lost, and they were bearing all of the consequences of their actions, and they were suffering in ways they didn't need to, then we're going to be able to see that really we have to just turn to Hashem. Tov Hashem lekovav v'lenefesh tidushenu, tov v'yachil v'dumam l'tshuat Hashem, tov l'gever ki sa'ol b'ne'urav. 
So the Tepsukim, the Lord is good to those who trust in Him, to the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait patiently till rescue comes from the Lord, right? Tov v'yachil v'dumam. It's better to wait and to be silent. That's the way the JPS English has it. The dubam is to be silent. Lichuat Hashem, waiting for the salvation of Hashem. And then tov l'gever, it's good for a person when young to bear a yoke. So what is the value of bearing the yoke? I think because it trains you. The younger you are, meaning if this is the path and the pattern that Yumiyo sees in many people, and it's only once we bear a yoke and once we suffer that we are able to find our ways fully to Hashem, then maybe it's better to suffer that younger and have more of a life in the full awareness and the full recognition of Hashem. I think that might be what Yumiyo is trying to suggest here, even though it's difficult and even though it's troubling and even though it's uh, bothersome, there is a value to it. Yisba'ah is a fairly well-known pasuk because it appears in Pirkei Avot when in the third chapter there is a discussion of the fact that Hashem appears or joins groups of people who study Torah, groups of people who are involved in the service of Hashem. So it says when there are ten there and has a pasuk, when there are five there and has a pasuk, and three and two, and for one, one of the pasukim that's offered is Yeshev Badad Vidom our pasuk Ki Natal Alav. So now the JPS on Yeshev Badad has it as let him sit alone Yeshev Badad. Be dumb and be patient. Whereas before it was be silent. Here it just means be patient. When he has laid it upon him, ki natal Allah. So ki as in when, rather than for it will happen. So Rashi has it as, Mishayrelo, evil vitzara yeshev galmud vitzapelitova. And he should not only wait and silently or alone, but he should anticipate redemption. Anticipate that salvation will come. Vido means to wait, like the JPS has it. Kinatav kibal hagezerot nasa alav hagezer hazo. Because you have to know that Hashem is the one who has brought this upon you, and if Hashem brought it upon you, then Hashem will decide when it's over. And it's kilo yizdochel al nan Hashem, because Hashem is not going to. Sorry, that's in the next set of psukim. But that is the way Rashi understands it. That we have to just wait and understand and and be ready for the fact. And so I'm sorry. So the JPS then goes on. Let him put his mouth to the dust. There may yet be hope, and that would be Pasuk Chaf Tet, Yitain Be'afar Pihu, Layesh Tigva, meaning don't complain, don't be Eov like, although that's not the, that's not what Yermio was specifically saying, but don't be Eov like and complain about it, just train ourselves not to speak, to wait to see what's going on, because there may still be hope, let him offer his cheek to the smiter, let him be surfeited with Makari, Yitain the Makeo Lechi Yisba So interestingly to me, interesting to me is, I find it interesting, that's a better way to say it, if I was going to be speaking in the English language. I find it interesting that here, turning the other cheek and just letting your, the people who are hitting you hit you and not really resisting is portrayed as being part of the height of patience that's required of the person who sees themselves in the lowest depths of punishment from Hashem and of being uh, left alone by Hashem and of having to suffer these kinds of punishments rather than being an ideal of its own it's in this context you do it in many other contexts you wouldn't it's only when everything has gone wrong and the person realizes that Hashem is punishing them and they have to they don't have to just wait for Hashem's salvation because all of the usual outlets of creativity and activity that we ordinarily have have been taken away in that circumstance there is no hope. The hope will come in the in the cup. So starting at
Hello? <clears throat> Sorry. <sighs> I just paused this tape because I had something came up and then, and then I went on taping and I was almost at the end and I realized that it wasn't continuing to tape. So I believe we're in the cuff psukim and I apologize for coming back to it now to try to make sure that we get it done. So let's do the cuff psukim. I will check this afterwards. But kilo yiznach le'olam Hashem. I'll just point out in the tape recorder that I'm using. I can't go back and check it and then continue taping. I either have to finish the tape or not. So I'm going to start from here and I apologize if there is a break in here. But kilo yiznach le'olam Hashem kim hogav richam kirov chasadav that so these psukim, these are the kaf psukim, and they mean in English, for the Lord does not reject forever, but first afflicts, then pardons in his abundant kindness, where he does not willfully bring our afflict, bring grief or affliction to man, an important part of how we're supposed to experience Hashem, in that uh, it's not that, Hashem, it's first of all that Hashem won't do it forever, uh, and therefore, it's worth waiting, and therefore, it is worth, it is valuable to Yeshiv Badad Yidom. It's a, it's a rewarding experience, meaning it will happen that if you wait long enough, Hashem will in fact come and redeem you. And it'll be brought quicker. If you come to feel uh, sadness for the sin that you committed, then you'll be more likely to more quickly get Hashem's uh, compassion and mercy. The last of the three psukim is because it's our sins that cause all this to happen. Hashem does not create a world in which Hashem wants to, in which Hashem wants to bring suffering to people. That's not part of the plan. It's only that we do it that that brings it on the plan. And this, to me, is an answer to the many people who casually read the Bible. An example that recently came up was a guy named David Plotz. has a book called Blogging the Bible. He spent a year reading the Bible, an English translation, I believe. But one of his closing experiences said that he can't buy into it because the God of the Old Testament is just so vengeful and so angry and so punishing. And I find that a shocking reaction because there's so much emphasis in Navi, in all Navi, but here's another example of it, of the expression that it's our sins that bring about it. And I think it stems from a Oh, an unwillingness in the Western world today, at least in the Western world today, to say that we do things wrong, to admit that we do things wrong. And if you don't do anything wrong and you see God doing all these terrible things, then it's terrible. But this Pasa, is a reminder that HaKadosh Baruch wants to bring us goodness and bounty and wonders, and we fail over and over again to overcome ourselves, to overcome our baser instincts in terms of the kinds of people who deserve that, who would be able to earn those kinds of things in fairly with fairly minimal things like don't worship idols and don't be sexually inappropriate and don't they're fairly simple base level things that would wipe away much of our problems. Certainly at the time of the first Beit HaMikdash, there were all of those things going on. If we look around in our times today, many of those many of those same things are still going on and yet we're still surprised or some people are still surprised that Hashem hasn't brought the goodness and the bounty yet and this in a generation which has seen just, I mean, a, a world which has seen the return to Eretz Yisrael and all the things that are happening there but that's a whole different discussion. So, let's go on to the Lamed Pesach. The Dakei Tachat Raglav Kolasei Aretz Nator Mishpat Gaver so going on with this idea that Hashem didn't want to have this happen. Hashem wouldn't want to crush under His feet all the prisoners of the earth. Nor would Hashem deny a man his rights in the presence of the Most High. There's no way to do it. To wrong a man in his cause. This the Lord does not choose. So all of this would never happen before Hashem. And it would never be right before Hashem. And yet, so A, I think it's, if we did it, that's why there's going to be a reaction to it. 
But aside from that, it's also that the things that are happening to us are clearly not going to be unjust things because injustice doesn't happen coming out of the hands of Hashem. And then the Mem Sukim, very famous Sukim, because the way to read them is not clear. Who said, I'm sorry, let me read all three that I've been doing. So whose decree was ever fulfilled unless the Lord willed it? Is it not at the word of the Most High that wheel and woe befall of what shall a living man complain? Each one of his own sins. So the JPS reading is fairly consonant with the way Chazal and the Pesukim, meaning that when things happen, they're coming from Hashem. So it's not, Mipilion lotetze harod, but Hashem doesn't. That's like the way people like to read it, and it's not in the, it doesn't fit in the flow of the Psukim. It's, of course it's Hashem. Hashem Of course it is. And that means, therefore, that if we're going to complain and be upset about what's happening, we have to understand there's no reason to. What is there to be unhappy about? Be unhappy about our sins, because that's what's leading to it. Um... Right, and that's the only thing that there is to complain and to be sad about, to bemoan, because that's what brings it. And then, in the in a bracketed part of the Rashi, points out the quotes that Rav Yochanan says. I don't know where they got this from, but Rav Yochanan says, "Miyom Shemar Kadosh Baruch Hu Rein Atak Defenach Chayim From the day that Hashem said, "I have given before you good and life and evil and death," so from then, "Lo Then Hashem doesn't, in fact, command good and evil anymore. Ella, what happens? But rather that Hashem has set into place a world in which the world itself responds to evil by punishing it and to good by rewarding it. So this is not a contradiction to what we said earlier. It's that Rav Yochanan is suggesting that, and this, there are many people of a Kabbalistic bent who say it, and it's interesting because rationalists sometimes say it too, and it seems to be more Kabbalistic, more mystical, rather than less mystical, rather than Hashem stepping in to punish, they say, no, the world does it itself, but then that means we have a world that is metaphysically very attuned, because because it is a world that will respond to evil, and by evil we can mean very ritual sins, meaning evil would mean if there was just rampant violation of Shabbos, that the world responds to it. So I find it interesting that rationalists sometimes point to that when really it would seem to be a non-rational way of experiencing it. In any case, that's what Rashi is pointing out here as a possibility as well, that the possible might mean, I would just note that I looked up this, I was trying to find this number that Rashi is quoting, or that's in the brackets in the Rashi, and I didn't find it in my uh, Barilan database. But it, it's an interesting conception of what, the way to read the Pusik and the way to understand the way the world works. Okay, I'm periodically checking to make sure that I'm actually taping. Nach pesadu achinu v'nachkorav v'nashuva el Hashem. Nach pesadu achinu v'nachkorav v'nashuva el Hashem. Yisrael v'vinu l'kapayim l'alkel b'shamim nachnu v'ashenu marinu ata lo salachta. So let us search and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts with our hands or to our hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled and you have not forgiven. So Yisrael v'vinu, when we lift our uh, our hands, Rashi says, is one possibility. We should lift our hearts as well, meaning don't just lift your hands in prayer, but actually have it affect who you are inside. And this is an important piece about prayer in general, and it's here. Nisa levinu, nisa kapenu, nisa levavinu el kapayim. Along with our hands, along with our shuckling, along with whatever we do in davening to show that we're getting into it, it would be nice if internally we got into it as well, to turn our hearts back towards Hashem and towards focusing Hashem. And then he, the the Rashi quotes a Medrash Rabboteinu, a Midrash that says that if we turn our hearts truly to Hashem, 
like a person, so that's Nisal of Aminu, El Kafayim would be like a person who is ridding their hands of the dirt that's sullying it, and then that would be the mention of Kapenu. And then Atalo Salachta, we would say, we're not even sure. We would have liked it. It would have been appropriate for you, Hashem, to forgive us, because that's what you do, Hashem. So this is, I think, a paradox or a, a misleading aspect of a Baruch Hu, since Hashem is so long to anger and so long to uh, wait to punish us, it can be misleading for us because then we get used to the fact that there's no punishment and then we might get shocked at the fact that there was a punishment. So if, after a few generations of idol worship, five, six, seven, idol generations of worship, all of a sudden punishment comes from Hashem, it's going to be harder for people to say, oh, this is a punishment from Hashem for idol worship. Why would it be harder to say it? Because anybody you ever knew thought that being Jewish, as we would call it today, although it wasn't called it at the time of that, anybody that's part of being Jewish was you worshipped idols. True, you also worshipped God, you also went to the Beit HaMikdash, you also did, kept Pesach, you kept Shabbos, but you worshipped idols. Everybody does that. So to accept and to believe that no, it's wrong and Hashem will punish it will be all that much more difficult. And this is the paradox within Erech HaPayim. How could Hashem be an Erech HaPayim and yet remind us and keep us aware of the fact that sin is sin? So that is part of what I think is embedded in this Pasuk You didn't forgive and it's a shock to them because they're so used to Hashem forgiving and just forgoing all of these kinds of things. Pasuk Mem. You have clothed yourself in anger and pursued us. You have seen without pity. You have screened yourself off with a cloud that no prayer may pass through. You have made us filth and refuse in the midst of the peoples. A return to a description for ourselves to remember all the terrible things that have happened by virtue of us not managing to do uh, tshuva, to repent in the way that we should have. Which is a pay where it should have been an ayin. I confess I don't remember and I don't remember seeing any particular things that struck me as to why it was they're switched, but we'll just note it here and go on because we're running out of time. All our enemies uh, loudly rail against us. Panic and pitfall are our lot. Death and destruction. It's like we go from one to the other. My eyes shed streams of water over the ruins of my poor people. I would just note that Rashi here says on my eyes. No, uh, I'm. S- yeah, well, no, we're going to get to his eyes in a second in the iron psukim. So this is just a, a, a recounting of all the terrible things that are going wrong in the in the iron psukim. Benot iri. And my eyes flow without cease, without rest. I'm just crying. It's just terrible. Until Hashem looks down from heaven and is going to save us, my eyes have brought me grief over all the maidens of my city. Rashi points out that Yermiel was a Kohen. And therefore, for a Kohen, for a priest, this destruction was all that much worse because the source of their... Power is the wrong word because it sounds like they're self-interested. But the source of their specialness, the source of their privilege within the Jewish people, the source of their self-image was this Beit HaMikdash. It's all that much worse for them. So when Yermiel sees it and experiences it, the trouble and the sadness is all that much worse. Pasuk, Yunun, Gimel, Tzod, Tzaduni, Katsipor, Oyevai, Chinam, Tzamatuva, Bor, Chayevai, Yadu, Evan, Bitzafu, Mayim, Aroshi, Amarti, Nigzarti, My foes have sneered me like a bird without any cause. Uh, they have ended my life in a pit and cast stones at me. Waters flowed over my head. I said, I am lost. So again, coming back to this theme of we're going to hit despair, and the reaction to despair should be that we're going to then turn to Hashem, but 
it takes that repeat despair to come to it. So we went through it once, well, then we realized it turned to Hashem, then we came back to recounting all the things that are terrible, and then in the Kuf Psukim, Karati Shim, in the Kuf Psukim, sorry, Karati Shimcha Hashem, Bibor Taktir Koli Shamat, Al Talim Oz Nechal, Rechati Lishav Ati, and once again, I have called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. Hear my plea. Do not shut your ear to my groan, to my cry. You have ever drawn nigh. When I called you, you have said, Do not fear. So once again, we have that cycle of we're going to get caught up in all the things that are going wrong, and we lose, and we're unable to get out of it, we're unable to resist, we're unable to remove ourselves from trouble. And then we remember to call out to Hashem in the full way. And this Pasuk, Nunvav, Kulisha Mata, you hear my cry, is a prominent one in our liturgy, because it reminds us, and it it captures very well our call to Hashem, our hope that Hashem will in fact always hear when we cry out, and when we do it sincerely and fully. Pasuk Nun Chet. Ravta Hashem Rivei Nafshi Ga'alta Chayai Ra'ita Hashem Avatati Shafta Mishpati you have championed my, championed my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life. You have seen, O Lord, the wrong done me. O vindicate my right. You have seen all their malice, all their designs towards me. So this is a call now. Once we're calling to Hashem and Hashem is going to answer, um, and, and it's a memory, according to Rashi and Pasuk Nalad, it's a memory in the Zion, it's a memory that Hashem used to answer all the time before the cycle of sin and before the amount of sin that we've done had gotten to be so great. So Rashi here too says, Rafta Hashem Rivi, you used to fight my battles for me. And then, you see that the enemy is doing all the terrible things and I want you to, as you have in the past, Judge me and judge what has happened to me. So Rashi, here, I think we understand Yirmiyahu to be saying, for all that we've sinned, and even if we recognize our sin, if we recognize the deservedness of the punishment, the enemies who are the agents of Hashem to give us that punishment, overstep their bounds. And that's going to be part of what we're trying to point in here, and therefore call for Hashem to help us in that construct of it, or in that concept of it, that Hashem should save us for those reasons and help us for those reasons. Shamat acher patam Hashem in the Shin Pesukim, starting at Pesuk Samach Aleph. Shamat acher patam Hashem kol machshavotam alai. Sitei kamei vehegyonam alai kol hayom. Shivtam vekimatam abita ani manginatam. You have heard, O Lord, their taunts, all their designs against me, the mouthings and pratings of my adversaries, adversaries against me all day long. See how at their ease or at work, I am the butt of their jibes. So the fact that they just Turn us into a laughing stock. The way they talk about us. It's not even, it's not even that they afflict us in a direct way. It's the fact they mistreat us. And that we are a source of laughter and a laughing stock to them. So that's going to be a cause for Hashem to step in. Why should that be? And then, so read the tough psukim and then we'll see. We ask Hashem, I'm sorry, I'll read all three. Mitachat shemei Hashem, give them a lord their deserts according to their deeds, give them anguish of heart, your curse be upon them. Pursue them in wrath and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. So, what are we giving them? So Rashi says, I mean, so the English had it as their deserts. They should gemul. What's the gemul they deserve? Right? So I think, I could be wrong, but I think that the gemul is that they look down on us and they laugh at us, and that's the problem because that means then that this, instead of being a lesson for us and for the world, that what we should have done was serve Hashem. By them doing this, it becomes more of 
I mean, I think you can think of it yourself, but it becomes more of an example or a, an embarrassment to Hashem that says that as if there is no Hashem, as if we're not the, the people of God, as if we don't have a special relationship with God, because after all, God isn't protecting us, God isn't there for us, and so that, I think, their laughter at us might be, in fact, one of the major sources of their downfall, because it shows, not only that they've overstepped their bounds, it's one thing, they've gone further than Hashem had allowed them to, but even more than that, that they've misunderstood the whole drama of what's going on, and in them misunderstanding it, we can therefore call for Hashem to give them their just desserts and bring it to them, the consequences of their actions, so that they too will come to realize the truth of Hashem, that we all are supposed to be ideally seeking. And that brings to a close this barrack. This is obviously, I hope I've said it before and I'll say it again, a very sad series of psikim, a very sad series of prakim. That's why it's eichlet, that's why it's keynote in the, the words of Chazal. But I hope that from learning it, understanding it, and absorbing its lessons, we will all merit never again to have to undergo such tragedies as our people have seen and as Yirmiyahu is bemoaning in these many prakim. Have a good day.